0: A vacation at the nicest ministry retreat center I have ever seen or heard
1: of for pastors. Amazing. We're, so tell us about it. Where is it at?
0: It is in outside of, it's in Rimbar, South Carolina. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. R-E-M-B-E-R-T, very rural area historic with the uh, Revolutionary War and Civil War in this area. And it's this family who has a lot of land and have built nice houses, cottages for pastors and missionaries to come. And man, it was, I think it's called Pine Grove Plantation. And it was mind-blowingly nice, refreshing, really great pool and beautiful scenery, a pond and kayaking, the whole deal, man. It was pretty incredible.
1: Man, that's great. I, I love it when folks invest in pastors and give them opportunities to get away and, and refresh. It's much needed. And I, I think some of our listeners, man, we, we've talked about this a couple episodes ago. If you are not taking some downtime during the summer, please avail yourself to it. And we talk about it on that podcast, and I think we even had Brian Croft mention a lot of guys are afraid to leave because they're afraid that they are going to re-key their office and move their study books and all that sort of thing. And it's like, If you are not taking a break because you are afraid of people, you might need to consider a call to another church, you know, perhaps.
0: Yeah. I mean, just take the break. And if, you know, maybe they do rekey it, who knows.
1: And take it as the, take it as the Lord's sovereignty. And you had your last Sunday and you, <laughs> you, you didn't get fired publicly or something. Like, well, I mean, that's easy
0: for us to talk to. I'm sure that's a pretty horrible experience, but I know there, Fine.
1: there are some really
0: great places. Uh, I mean, the shepherd's house, talk about Brian Croft, yeah. practical shepherding shepherd's house. They have in Louisville. You can, there's some great opportunities out there for pastors to have cheap or Free, inexpensive vacation getaway opportunities. And so we've talked about all that in another episode. Hey, Bob, when I last week's episode, I had my math all wrong. I said, if my math was right, that was episode 199. Mm. My, my math was not right. But today, my math is right because I'm not doing it impromptu. I looked into it and this is episode 199. Wow. So that means next week is 200. You don't want to miss next week. It's going to be different and fun and good. If all the things we're trying to make happen, happen, it's going to be a really good opportunity to learn more about us. I think it's going to be an interesting episode, but here's what I would love to do is I would love for you to be a part of that episode. So we're going to have a link to a survey in the show notes where you can leave a written, I had a thing. I have to look at the settings where you can submit a audio file. A lot of people have trouble getting that to work. So you can also email us. And here's the deal. You can email us anytime, not just for episode 200, replantbootcamp at gmail.com. And if you will email us, uh, if you email us an audio file, we just might most likely use that in episode 200. But you can always email us. There's no questions or whatever. We would love to hear from you. What's meant something to you? How has the bootcamp helped you or served you? or just made you laugh a lot even if the how we've helped you is just good restaurant recommendations like we would love to hear that and, and so
1: so hit us up let us know and look forward to episode 200 next week i love it i'm excited jimbo this this absolutely cements our podcast as a podcast that separates itself from many others cuz most don't get past yeah. a handful of episodes and so we've been doing this thing for 200 sessions and i think it's been a lot of fun yeah,
0: there's a couple of bonus episodes in there too so we're over 200 episodes total already but
1: sweet this is episode
0: 199 hey and for episode 1999, here's what i was thinking about bob i was talking with bob bumgarner recently and he challenged me to do something that seemed really random he said i want you to go watch rewatch, or watch the movie patch adams and i was like Okay. I mean, I remember enjoying that as a child. And he said, go watch Patch Adams and think about it through the realm of church revitalization and renewal, especially our role from an association in serving dying churches and declining churches and uh, leading them to renewal. And Bob, have you seen the movie? Are you a Patch Adams fan? Have you watched the movie Patch Adams?
1: Jimbo, sadly, I think that was during my uh, homeschool military sequester days when I was disallowed from all media so no i'm just joking. Ha- happy shiny people bill <laughs> Yeah, well i don't think we want to go there we'll derail <laughs> derail the whole episode we might we this might be the last episode if we did, we did that Jimbo. but uh no you know what i think it was during i can't remember what year it came out yeah, i, I, I might have been in the throes of youth ministry in a church with choir rubs and handbells and fighting it out for just trying to survive. I think that's probably what was going on. And I didn't have time for movies. I was just trying to survive, I think.
0: Well, it's a movie based on a true story about this guy, Hunter Adams, nicknamed Patch Adams, who had started, pre-med school and then was disillusioned by how impersonal it was and cold and clinical. And and so he went to, I looked into, this is not all in the movie. I I did extra research for you. Oh, man. So from there, he went on to be a, a lion tamer, a maintenance man. I mean, just all sorts of random things. And he became disillusioned with life. And this is where you see in the movie it picks up is he becomes disillusioned with life and became suicidal, had suicidal thoughts. And so he self-admitted into a psychiatric inpatient place to try to help him with his suicidal thoughts. What he experienced there was more impersonal cold clinical they're not even listening to him and you know when they're they're counseling him and so he finds a rejuvenated joy in life when he begins to try to just be helpful to some of his fellow patients in there. And he's able to help them. He's able to help them by laughing, by being funny, by being goofy and silly. And so it really kind of rejuvenated his soul. And he thought, man, what if, what if we brought silliness and goofiness and joy into medicine and we're more personal? And so he decides to go to medical school, goes to medical school, all sorts of hijinks happen in medical school that are hilarious. Uh, In the movie, I don't know how many of those are true. And then he graduates from medical school and basically starts running a free hospital with like 12 other physicians living in a house for like 12 years. And they're all living in this six bedroom house and like patients are coming in and out 24 hours a day and they're hanging out. And the point was that I got that made me think about an episode for today is how easy it is when we're doing ministry to miss the people that we are serving and we'll just get focused on programs and processes and patch Adams in the movie says you treat a disease and it's win and lose. Mm -hmm. You treat a person and I guarantee you, you will win no matter the outcome. Mm. And his point was that it wasn't just about delaying death but about quality of life. Um, and it just got me thinking, you know, I, I've, I know I've experienced seasons of ministry where I was so wrapped up in designing programs, running programs, processes and policies, and, and all these other things that it felt like people were in the way. And I'm sure you've heard the old joke, Bob, boy, ministry would be a whole lot easier if it wasn't for all the people. Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's an old joke that people laugh at, but it's really a horrible joke. It's a horrible way to think about it. And so I want to focus on learning a little bit from, let me emphasize, learn a little bit. Patch Adams is not a guy you need to go learn a lot of things from, (laughs) but we can learn a little bit from this idea of, hey, let's not miss the people in the midst of all the programs and the processes
1: and policies. Yeah, I think so. I I think one of the Places where laughter may occur the least is in a dying church, <laughs> yeah, and particularly with those who are tasked with thinking about the future of the church and the affairs of the church. That there's a there's a lot of somberness and seriousness there, unless they're just in complete denial. I've run into that before too, yeah. But I think uh, bringing some joy into a, a difficult situation is important. And so let's let's jump in. Let's do it.
0: Well, you know, if you think about it, Bob, loving people is pretty central. To this whole Christianity thing, right? <laughs> like,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, when Jesus was asked, "Hey, what is the greatest of all the commandments?" And mm-hmm. what is the answer? Right, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then John thirteen, what does he tell us? But that we'll, we will be people will know that we are his followers by the way that we love each other. And so. We can move on from Patch Adams a little bit and just realize the scriptures actually point us pretty poignantly to this idea that loving people is a pretty big deal when it comes to this whole following Jesus thing.
1: Absolutely. I think we—and you've talked about this before where we—in one of your talks where we tolerate people and we forbear with one another— and there, there's something that precedes, I mean, lo, lo, love does a number of things, like love bears all things, hopes all things, believe all, believes all things, those sorts of things that, that it says in 1 Corinthians 13. But um, I think love, lo, love, like encouragement for just people in general, may be in short supply these days. And particularly in the, in the Christian community, in the church, and those who have claimed to have faith in Christ and follow Christ, love is to be one of our most significant characteristics in the way we relate to one another.
0: Yeah, I think part of, you know, to to pull one more lesson from Patch Adams, not even, I mean, it's partially this is shown in the movie, but, you know, I'm a nerd and I I don't just glance at things. I love to research. And so I looked into the real Patch Adams and what's he doing today? I watched a couple of videos of uh, some talks, TED Talk type things he's done. And one, he has in the movie, he has this dream of building a hospital that like, is this goofy, crazy looking hospital. I I still don't think they've built it. Uh, I think they've broken ground, but like it's been a whole deal. But he said, as they see patients, this was so crazy to me. His initial interview with a new patient in this free hospital thing that they have is three to four hours long. Hmm. And like they go to the house, they visit people, they get to know people, everything. And so I think, one, we've got to be willing to stop long enough to listen. And that's hard to do. I know for me, when I'm really task-oriented mode, it's hard for me to be good at listening. Henry Nouwen says, In the midst of a turbulent, often chaotic world, ministers are called to be contemplatives to be people who listen to the voice of God and to the voices of those who suffer. Mm. And this, you know, this I think goes to the idea of like eliminate all hurry and manage your time well so that you can do deep work. And there's something about when we can move away from just accomplishing tasks and getting to people that's going to require a lot of good sitting and patiently listening.
1: Yeah, I think this makes the case for the established church and also the church that needs to be revitalized, right? Yeah. This is something that you can do. In those kinds of settings, I, as you're reading that quote from now, and I'm thinking of all of the descriptions of the church planters that I know and the profiles I know, and this is just doesn't show up mm. on their list, right? Typically, and that's not—I'm not trying to, to cast stones at them in any, any kind of form or fashion, but—and yeah. they're trying to start something from nothing. They're an entrepreneur. They're trying to, you know, shout at the dirt and raise up a church. So I think that it, it's a totally different. Context in, in a lot of ways. But what happens often is when they get a group of people together, you know what, Jimbo, this is exactly what they want. They want to be listened to, they want to be heard. Yeah. And so I think the tension is in all the things that you have to do, you got to set aside time to make people, the Lord, your number one and people, your number two. And then all the systems and all the structures and, and all the activities need to serve those two top priorities.
0: Yeah. You know, my dad did something really well as I was growing up. He was always really good at listening to me. I don't even know if he was really paying attention to what I was saying a lot of the times. (laughs) I, I, you know, I, I feel like I, I, I reap a little bit of how much I talked to my dad with, with my daughter, Magnolia. She can she talks in her sleep because she never stops talking. And I, you know, I loved playing golf with my dad, but I really think my favorite thing was the ride to the golf course and the Mm -hmm. ride home and talking to my dad. And even when there were conflicts and things that I disagreed with him or I disagreed with my mom and there was some issue. My dad would always listen to me and he always made me feel respected. Now, I cannot remember a single time, Bob, when I ever changed my dad's mind on anything. Hmm. As much as he listened to me, I don't think I ever convinced him of my side on anything, but I still left feeling loved and respected. And I think even in conflict resolution, this idea of listening well, in order to understand is such a key skill. Like, man, if we could just sit and listen and really try to hear people and where they're coming from, because there are, listen, there are conflicts, there are issues and there are things to be dealt with and there are sin to be confronted. And there are traditions to be challenged. And if we're not, careful, then it, it can feel like the people have become the enemy of what we've been called to do. And that's where Ephesians 6 is such a great reminder that it's not flesh and blood that we fight against, right? It's mm-hmm. And so these people aren't people we're fighting against. And part of focusing on them is we have to listen to them. And I think, Bob, there's a lot of ways we could talk about listening. Like, are your sermons even like, uh, are your sermons effective? Are your are people understanding what you're saying? Are, are they helping them? Well, you don't know that until you ask some questions and you listen and you create ways to get feedback are the programs you're doing, leading people into deeper maturity and, and onto mission and and the things that aren't as easy to measure, right? Which we talk about a lot on this podcast, the importance of things that aren't easy to measure. Well, you can't measure them, but you can ask questions and you can listen. And then the last thing I thought about it was with this listen was one of my favorite things I've ever learned on our podcast was sitting with Johnny Rumbaugh and him Him talking about just the power of when he does enter an interim. And he'll sit down with these groups of two to three people at a time, and he'll ask him just a few questions, right? One, tell me your Jesus story. How did you come to know the Lord? Two, tell me your church story. How did you come to be a part of this particular church? And then his, his last question, did anybody else know any of that about these people? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think about that often, just how powerful of an exercise that has to be.
1: Yeah. And people want to be able to share. I think we, we live in a culture, and particularly I think the Baptistic culture has been, we have times for conversation, but a meaningful, in-depth conversation about your story with God and your story with a, a group of people, we don't really get to, to do that often. And what we find out a lot of times is when I was around a family friend and they, their daughter went to camp recently. And one thing she said is it was so great to actually get to know people and not have a phone in your hand, right? <laughs> There's a novel idea right there. But I would say even for our, our older folks, our older generations, it's so good to get to know people and hear stories outside of the limited time for discussion before the Sunday school lesson or before the church service starts and all those sorts of things. We're, we're oftentimes in a circle listening to one person or we're sitting in rows listening to one person and we don't make time necessarily to listen to one another deeply about important things and asking good yeah. questions. So I, I think I love this idea of bringing that back into the church and into the community, particularly as a practice as a pastor, like really hearing some somebody. And then asking the follow-up question. I've recently connected with a guy and he always says this when you're talking to him. He says, hey, tell me more tell me more. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, okay. And then you find yourself like really sharing more about that. And he's learning and you're just, he's discovering and he's getting to know you. And he's also understanding who you are, that sort of thing. So I I think listening is an important practice for all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ, but particularly as pastors.
0: Yeah. I mean, nothing makes you feel more unloved than basically being ignored or not heard.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, I don't know. I'm sure, Bob, you've encountered people that like, they talk so much and, it, it, and it, even when they were – when when you stop talking for a second, they jump in and you can tell they're not even responding to what you were saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you were just in their way of their monologue and they just keep go- – like and man, that I, – I, I always notice that when that happens to me. And it, it makes me feel disrespected and unloved and like, and at the very least, I'm like, this is probably not somebody I'm going to be like really good friends with. Like if every time we talk, you're not actually even listening to me. But then I always try to flip that and think, am I doing that? Am I not listening? How am I? Well, am I doing that? And so I, that leads to one of the things that Patch Adams really wanted. This comes out in the movie, but it. It comes out in some of his other stuff that I saw later. He really desires this idea of community. I I am going to assume Patch Adams is not a believer just based on some things I've heard him say, but there's something, he has this like thing in his heart where God puts this in all of us, this need for community and, and, and belonging and I don't know that Patch ever really found exactly what he's looking to. I mean, he's still alive from what I know. And, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said Christian community is like the Christian sanctification. It's a gift of God we cannot claim. We, We can't just proclaim community, we can't just say, Oh, we're like, you know, a lot of churches will say, welcome home, or we're a family here, or, but in reality, we don't listen to you and you just need to listen to our lecture and we don't actually build real community. And part of that is, Bob, community is inefficient. Mm-hmm. Community is a slow burn compared to a really good program, a really good thing that can blow up and build real fast. Community is slow. And it's bumpy and it's circuitous and it's completely inefficient. But I honestly think this ought to be one of our greatest goals in church renewal is building deep community, joy with each other, loving each other, laughing together, and just enjoying being in each other's presence. And I'm not trying to simplify or, you know, or chicken soup for the soul, this thing, but there there is something to like actually enjoying being around the people that are part of your biblical community that is so important. If you look at, you know, Acts 2, 42, and then later in 44 and 47, they they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is it's there is there is this need for us. To not just gather together on a weekly basis and listen to you know one group sing songs and one guy talk, but to actually really have community
1: together. One hundred percent, and community is not necessarily assured just because you're doing those things that that are uh, tilling the ground to create it, right? But but you're going, you're talking about something that is the inborn need of every single human being that's ever walked the the face of this earth. And, and it goes back to Genesis where the creation is, is done in community, father, son, and Holy spirit, men and women are created in the image of God. Right. And, and so in that Godhead is that Trinity, that Holy Trinity that lives in community. And so what I would say is you got to fight for community and you gotta, you gotta realize that it's not a given and it's, It's one of those kind of two-edged swords, Jimbo, that you work really hard to achieve it. And then once you get it, you got to work really hard to protect it. Yeah. and value it. And you've got to be And part of being in community is you learn that And every single one of us, we bring something into a relationship that blesses, but it also works against the relationship at the same time. Right. So there's there's part of me that you're going to love and there's part of me that's going to frustrate you. Yeah. And true, true community is when love rises above the part that frustrates another person. Right. Yeah. I love you enough to I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to endure with you because I love you. And, and that's what community is all about. And it calls calls forth the best in people and it also calls out the parts that are not the best and seeks to bring those into a place where the Lord can work on that. And the Lord works on you in community, right? He he makes you more of who he wants you to be.
0: Yeah, that's part of I mean, like so Hebrews says that we stir one another up into good mm-hmm. works and that idea of like stirring is you know almost like rubbing up against each other and and so part of real community, part of really loving each other, part of focusing on people rather than programs and processes, or at least more than those, is the idea of it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And loving people means leaning into their sanctification and leaning into your sanctification and pursuing maturity. And And like you said, loving is, is in community is also calling out where things need to be called out mm-hmm. and helping people become who God has really called them to be. Guys, this is this is so much fun doing this podcast for you guys, with you guys. We want to hear from you. One of the things we want to do is we want to listen. And so how has this been helpful? How could it be more helpful? What are other things that you want us to address? You can always reach us, at gmail.com We would especially love to hear from you this week as quickly as you can. We would love to, to bring it into episode 200 and, and have you celebrate with us. <laughs> And we want to keep serving you guys and serving with you guys. And so let us listen from you. Let us learn from you and let us know how we can keep serving you. well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the replant bootcamp podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing,